Welcome to this episode of The Rise After the Fall. I'm Sean Hennessy, Senior Pastor of Life Church in Green Bay, and I am joined by my co-host, Reverend Sonny Hennessy, the lead pastor at Life Church in Green Bay. How are you, love? I am good. good. And I want to point out that one of our exciting and I don't know, most endearing ministries and projects is the Reserve and the Exchange Collaborative. Um, because we do talk about Life Church to open, but uh, man, we've had some some experiences at our property in North Carolina that Boy, is owned by the Exchange Collaborative, uh, and where this podcast launched out of is the Exchange Collaborative, and it's called the Reserve. And man, we've had some demonic, straight up demonic um, sounds and and presence there trying to honestly scare us off the property a few weeks back. And then, um, we've just in our family and our life, we've dealt with spiritual attacks and this is part two in the spiritual warfare podcast. We decided to do a part two. And since we did part one, uh, all hell has broke loose. And I'm not even saying that in the cliche manner that all hell is broke loose. It, it has made me say things to myself, like I'm a fraud and what we're talking about isn't true. It's not real. And yet it's like, we've experienced more in your face, demonic activity than before we talked about this. So isn't it interesting how the father of lies takes truth and the fact we're exposing him and then tries to use what sounds like the voice of God or good reason or even scripture and turn it on us. Yeah. I mean, we had an attack two Saturday nights ago that was so intense that I, I was going to resign from the church. I, I never even said that to you until yesterday, but it was, it was in my mind and, and I was getting ready to, leave my office to go towards the auditorium. And I felt as clear as day, a voice speak into my mind. You're not fit to pastor a church. And went on to remind me of the battle that I had been going through uh, the previous night that led into the morning. And it was, yeah. So when you say you've had thoughts that you feel like a fraud I've had those. And I think, you know, the thing that's interesting is years ago, Rick Warren said a pastor should never resign on a Monday because they're weak. And I think that the attacks that we used to experience on Sunday that made it so that we shouldn't resign on a Monday have become so ramped up that they're happening all the time. And not just for people in ministry. We talk to people who are in every line of work and, and it is it feels like it's a powder keg. There's a pressure that's building, mm -hmm. which, which I think is natural because it's natural and supernatural because we know that time, time keeps on ticking and we're so much closer to the end of it all. Yeah. And what's interesting, it's just hit me when I let those words come out of my mouth, I felt like a fraud and you heard you're not fit to be in ministry. Did you think about the fact this podcast is us talking and trying to cry out to people who are not fit to be in ministry, Yeah, who are right now a fraud, who male or female might be 
having an affair and we're like, if you're not fit for ministry, you need to, you need to get help. You need to resign. Um, if you're a fraud, like if you're saying one thing from the pulpit, but you're living a different lifestyle, isn't it interesting that those are the outcries of our heart that when the flesh really is steeped in sin, you do need to do that. And we're not talking about there's something that has happened that you feel unfit because you're in sin. No, it's literally, you felt that way because you're like, our, so our whole family's been under attack. Our kids can be happy one minute and like so sad the next. And we feel as a parent, parents will understand this. Yeah. And I just heard a, a doctor say this, that you take on the physiology of the person in the room. So if they're tense and freaking out and having a panic attack or just sad, you take on that physiology. Uh, and so when you're a parent and your kid is struggling, is sad, is nervous about their future, you take that on. And so it's really just been, uh, straight up attacks that came out of nowhere that just culminated to feel like if I don't even have my kids, like they both love Jesus. Now they're oh, both yeah. are called to ministry. However, if it's like they can't even, or we as a family can't just have like a 24 hour period where we don't feel an onslaught of the enemy that tells us we're actually something's wrong with us. It's not the, the enemy is trying to tell us this isn't the enemy. And what we have to identify and keep bringing awareness to is it is the enemy we're fighting. We're feel, we're yeah. fighting principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. But the very way that those things fight back first is to say, we're not real. That's not true. Well, I think what's interesting is when you have somebody come under attack. So like you felt like a fraud. I felt like I wasn't fit. And again, I was under attack because of something that somebody else was doing that I was trying to fix and make right. So thank you for the clarification. So the people don't go, Oh, he must have <laughs> something. Cause what's interesting is that when you have people who are in the ministry and are, and are walking the line as we are, how we would feel like a fraud or a failure or unfit, but then you'll have people who are a fraud, who are a failure, who, who are unfit who don't feel like that. Mm. So they continue to walk inside the enemy's plan where we're coming under the attack of the enemy and it's almost crumbling. There's, I mean, it's just a, it's a massive attack on people. And I was thinking earlier today about maybe two weeks ago, I saw on the news that there was a summit in North Korea and it was leaders from North Korea and their military and political leaders, political leaders and leaders of the military from Russia and also from China. And during that summit, part of the reason for the summit was so that the leadership of North Korea could show the leadership of Russia and China, the weapons that they had that are banned that under NATO or underneath UN, they can't legally which I've always thought was interesting. The rules <laughs> that you'll of, follow law the, in war time. The rules yeah. of engagement. I just go like North Korea has been testing nuclear weapons. We know that. They we we've seen that. It's on the news. And so now when you start seeing Russia and China gather together and they're having a summit, it made me think about A, it made me go, man, it feels like there's something brewing. Make sure that my heart is in order. <laughs> Because it feels very end times that. But what it also did is it it created a picture in my mind 
that in these days, the enemy is bringing together his strongest forces in the spiritual world and using them to channel attacks on people who are trying to confront anything that would bring attention to the fact that he's trying to channel his strongest forces. And so we're under attack. People who are listening to this are under attack and it's, it's diff. It's a, I've, I have experienced attack. I've experienced spiritual warfare. I experienced spiritual warfare before I was a believer. Like the enemy has been trying to kill me from day one, you know? So whether it was through my environment or some people have heard me tell this story, but when I was a teenager, you know, I started out seeing this like uh, dark figure periodically off in the distance and it just looked like a shadow. And and then as time went on, this spiritual figure got closer, but not only did it get closer, its frequency increased. So I saw it more often. And, and then I started to see it on a daily basis. And I just, and it just looked like uh, sometimes it would be like I would see it out of the corner of my eye. Until one night I woke up in my bed, in my bedroom, and it was at the foot of my bed and it filled from floor to ceiling. And it was what they call it now, they call it night terrors, right? It, it wasn't just a night terror. There was a demonic presence at the foot of my bed. The, the sheets and comforter on my bed were pulled tight so that I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't speak. And it suddenly disappeared. I thought I was going to die. I legitimately, you could, you could smell sulfur in the room. It was terrible. It was terrifying. And so my parents did the only thing that they could think of. They called a minister to come over to the house and to exercise the house. And so he asked me, you know, do you have anything in here that, that you shouldn't have in here? I was like, I didn't even know what he's talking about. Long story short, he found some books, some horror books in my nightstand. And, and he said, that was the gateway. That's what invited it in. And so he, he brought anointing oil. He brought holy water. I don't know if he was from you know, trying to figure the whole thing out all at once, but, but he anointed the room with oil and he doused it with holy water and the spirit was gone. And so the, I've been under it. I understand spiritual attack, but the frequency of it now and the intensity of it now is so, and the, the place that it comes from is, has changed. <laughs> I actually, I thought about doing my next post. It was going to be something like newsflash. Christians can be used by the devil. Wow. Yeah. Newsflash. Your family can be used by the devil yeah. because we so want to compartmentalize and figure out the demonic and basically minimize it. That we're like, well, okay, if you're a Christian, you cannot be possessed. Well, if you're a Christian, I don't know that you can even be oppressed. And if you're a Christian, like you're just, you know, operating in the spirit. It's like, no. And I love what Pastor Barry says that Satan uses weak-minded people. Yeah. What that says to me is that's also me. Like think about if you were a parent of a two-year-old and the things that could come out of your mouth when you were just beyond exhausted and angry. I was weak minded. I probably said something to my two year old that was from the pit of hell. Like yeah. if, if we won't acknowledge that we can be used 
as a tool of the enemy, then we've sterilized the whole thing. Like it's very simple, you know, there's God and well, but here's the problem. Um, Satan is so effective in getting us to not talk about it that you shared a statistic that we've shared on this podcast that like 60 some percent of church going Christians don't believe in hell or the devil. Yeah. They don't believe he exists. And what's interesting is Satan doesn't want us to know his tactics. Just like you said, he doesn't want us to know uh, what he has coming because then he can come in sneakier ways through people we never would have imagined. I did. I wouldn't imagine you would be used by the enemy in my life. I wouldn't imagine my kids would be used. I would never think Sonny, you're going to, you're going to be used next week. If you're not on guard, if you're not prayed up and the armor of God on you, your mouth will be used. And you know how I can prove this to anybody on here. Who's like, I, I think you're gone too far, Sonny. Um, Gossip is as witchcraft. If someone's listening and says, I've never gossiped, I'd like to meet them. <laughs> uh, male or female, everyone's gossiped. And Christians like to do it through a prayer, prayer request. request. You know, let's be praying for so-and-so. Did you hear? So Satan is trying to mask what he's doing. He also is being really effective in masking, which he did in the garden too, by taking scripture and twisting that. And then even using people who are Christians to take scripture and to turn it on us, to make it sound like I talked to somebody today who's going through major spiritual warfare. And she said, and, and the warfare she's going through is there's people around her, her who are saying, well, I believe in the full gospel (laughs) and are making her feel, feel like she is not really standing bold for Jesus. She's not saved enough. Right. And so how confusing does that get? You're like, well, Satan wouldn't tell me I need to be more holy than I am. Well, he actually will try that. Well, if he knows it will make you feel condemnation, right? But there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's there's an an all out. It's like uh, when you watch a fireworks display, we watched the 4th of July fireworks and they were cool until the end. Then at the end, man, they were sick because they, they save the best for last. They save all of their, the bulk of their stock is saved for like the last two minutes. And the fireworks display has been going on for 30 and it's been sporadic. A twirler here, a twister there, a snake down there. But all of a sudden, man, it's like, boom, boom, pow, pow, and it's like, it's nonstop. That's what it feels like. It feels like we're in the grand finale and it is nonstop and constant. But I, I saw a friend of mine who posted on Instagram yesterday, Pastor Barry Edgman is preaching. He preached a men's event and I was preaching a Sunday in Missouri, Missouri. And, and a friend of ours posted something that he said he said, what if Adam would have reached over and crushed the head of the snake in the garden? Cause he had the power and authority to do so. Mm. I was like, dang. Mm. <laughs> and what if we do that? What oh. if we, what if we, Man, reach if over? that isn't convicting when you feel like I need to back off because I've stirred up a hornet's nest. Yeah. So let me just back off. So Eve was like, oh, well, maybe you're right. And entertained it. She backed off instead of 
crushed his head. Yeah. So when you say that Christians can be attacked and Christians can be used, I mean, you just alluded to it. Tell them the story. We were at the reserve. We were with Pastor Becky, who is the director of Journey to Wholeness. We were getting ready for some planning stuff. and Yeah. And we were, you had went down to bed because it's kind of, it's set up like a boutique hotel. So we each have our own guest room and bathrooms and you had gone down to to bed and Becky and I continued to talk and we were having like journey to wholeness breakthrough and specifically for her because Becky can do the journeying for people constant, but there's not many people that do the journey for her, like push and pull on that route and say, let's go back and let's focus there. And, and that was happening. And I was doing that for her and she had already done it for me plenty of times. And we were literally, because we found something and we were like, the Holy Spirit. And I just remember we had both back and forth referred to the Holy Spirit about nine times in a 30 second period. It mm. was just like back and forth, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And we hear a, a, and I don't know if you can hear that in the podcast, but an aggressive knock on the door below us. And we were in the upper sunroom and there's a lower sunroom right below it. And we were in the upper sunroom. It was pitch black. It was 11 o'clock at night. And I immediately stood up and thought, and I said, Sean must've got locked out. And I started saying your name. I opened the window. I'm like, Sean, Sean, and I'm going from window to window and you're not answering. And I'm like, and I was thinking, why would you have gone out and got locked out? I thought you went to bed. Uh, and it's like in that moment when I realized it wasn't you, I thought this isn't a person. Right. So then I said, you know what? There's an air conditioner right below us. I bet that that turned off, you know, and knocked on the door aggressively. (laughs) And so I said, let me recreate that hope. Let me try that. I said, Becky, you stay right there. I'm going to go turn off the air. And we tried it, turned it back on. We did all the stuff. Didn't work. So then I, I headed down the stairs to you. I said, stay there. <laughs> I just kept telling her to stay there. Cause I kept thinking if she hears it again, that's our answer. Like it's something right. It's right. cause we both, I mean, we stopped talking. It wasn't like I heard it. She didn't. Uh, and so I walked down the stairs and I remember thinking if Sean is still awake, maybe he was knocking his razor. You shave your head in the shower. Maybe yeah. he was knocking his razor on the shower door, um, wall. And, and that's what I was, I was hoping for that. And I opened up the room where you were and you were asleep and was, you were obviously had been asleep for a while. And I tried to wake you and you didn't wake right away. Like you were in a deep sleep. I was like, he's never this hard to wake up. And I woke you up. And you looked at me and I said, did you just knock? Did you just, and I knew the answer and you said no. And so, um, I said, I think we heard a knock. And so Becky and I, we can reconfirmed like it was right. It was a knock on the door. So I knew that I knew that it probably wasn't a human. I mean, we're out on 20 acres. You would see car lights. We were yeah. out there. We at the driveway. We would have seen the headlights drive up. But there had been somebody on the property earlier in the day. Remember when you woke me up? And I'd said that, and it was very odd that there had been somebody. And so again, sometimes the devil will throw a pump fake. Yeah. And so we were like, oh, well, maybe it was this This guy guy who was out there at 2 p.m. with a polo shirt and a iPad and you didn't have a good feeling about him, but it was like a physical person. We were sure. So then I'm like, maybe it was a person. So I said, let's get the cops out here. Cause you said, let's just go to a hotel if that'll make you feel more comfortable. And, and we were going to be there four nights in a row. Becky was going to be there a night with 
us before she came back to Green Bay. And I just knew that if we left to go to a hotel, what are we going to do the next three nights? We're not just going to be in this property that is for healing, rest, restoration. We've had people come. They've said it's so peaceful. Like, I'm like, he's not going to win and run us off the property. We had a cop come out and that girl acted like she was so scared. I asked her to go look up in the green building and she was asked five times instead, how do I get out of here? And I was like, uh, she just acted really unnerved and she she got out and never did go check out the property. So that was weird. Cause I'm like, you're armed. Why are you so freaked out? So, um, yeah, we never figured out that what that was, went to bed, prayed. You were praying in the Holy spirit over me. This was after our podcast. This was after, um, I did a post about spiritual warfare and then, uh, we went with our kids, got on an airplane to go to an impromptu. We didn't plan on this, but we ended up getting to go on a, a week vacation in the Dominican Republic, um, which I've been on a missions trip in the Dominican and there's a lot of darkness there. There's a lot of witch doctors. I mean, you go on a missions trip and you drive up in the hills towards Haiti, you see animal sacrifice and witch doctors doing rituals just along the road. Like, so there was something in me that was like, well, I'm glad we're on a resort, you know, all of that. We'll have to pray, you know, if we feel weird or whatever. I didn't, I didn't think a ton, but it crossed my mind. We get on the plane to leave wherever we were leaving, North Carolina. And I spilled some coffee (laughs) and I said, Oh, can you get me a napkin? And you jumped up. They were boarding the plane. Everybody basically was seated, but we were still in that boarding process or that open door process in the plane. And you went up and then you take it from there. Yeah. I, uh, the flight attendant was making her announcement. So I stood there and I waited until she was done. And then when she finished, I said, my wife spilled some coffee. Would it be possible to get some napkins? And she looked at me and she was like, yeah, you can wait a minute. I was like, okay, I'll wait a minute. And I, th- and I think she put her hand up. like her Yeah, finger, I saw her like, put her finger, put up, her finger up in my face yeah. and was like, you can wait a minute. It's like, okay. She's finished her announcement. I didn't know what I was waiting on. But then there was a guy from Delta who was refilling the carts sitting there. And that's what the flight was waiting on. And so he looked up at me and said, are you waiting for something? I thought he was addressing me. Maybe he was addressing her. Clearly she thought he was addressing her because I said, oh yeah, I'm just waiting to get a napkin. And she said, I told you to wait. He's talking to me. I said, and I did not say it rudely. I know when I'm rude. I said, you don't have to be rude about it. I'm just waiting for a napkin. And she said, oh, you're going to be a problem. You're going to be a problem on this flight. I will leave you in Atlanta right now. I will. You know what? You're getting off this plane. So you came and sat down and then we wait and we can hear her up at the front talking to all the different loudly. I couldn't hear. I could hear. She was. Yeah. He he was like, don't be rude. And he can wait on a napkin was freaking out. You were really tired. So you had headphones on already before I sent you for the napkin. You put your headphones back on. You leaned your head back and. I think you could just tell like, this isn't going to go well. I'll just put my headphones on and go to sleep and whatever. I won't get a napkin because we never just get a napkin. So I didn't uh, honestly think that she was going to try to kick me off. The yeah. Plane. So then she came and stood at the aisle and she kind of sighed and looked down at you. And I thought, oh gosh, she's going to apologize. This is going to be awkward because I'm not going to want to say it's okay. Cause I'm thinking I can hear you up there gossiping about us. Yeah. This is uncalled for. 
so I'm like, she's coming to apologize. Well, I guess that's good. She sighed. She goes, so, and I thought she was going to say, I just want to apologize for that and get back on the right foot or something. She goes, so I just want to make sure that we're all good. You're not going to be a problem. Or do I need to have you removed from the plane? You were like, your eyes were closed. Your headphones were on. So we were delayed 45 minutes. And I said to her, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Yeah. So she huffed, went back up. She had people in yellow vest, red vest, red coats, every supervisor. And by the end, these supervisors were coming up and saying, sir, can I, can you just tell me what happened? Rolling their eyes. Flight attendants were walking by looking at us kind of rolling their eyes. Like we can't handle. Anyway, she gave an ultimatum and said, either they take you off the plane or she was getting off the plane. They said, you're not leaving the plane. Go to the back of the plane. Instead of being up at the front of the plane serving, you're going to go to the very back of the plane. She was the flight leader, which stands at the front. They demoted her to back of the the plane and she stomped back there and we never saw her again. Our kids were shaking. I saw you shaking and then you went to sleep, which was good. And I was like, I've never seen anything like that. I referred to that on a, a previous post or something to say we would share that because, uh, and I want to point out like what I'm talking about when we say, that Satan uses people like Satan didn't come on the flight with his red horns and pitchfork (laughs) and be like, I want to wreck your flight and and honestly make this flight 45 minutes delayed for everybody else and make it feel really uncomfortable. Um, I shared that uh, the enemy uses people and that you can't reason with unreasonable. There was no reasoning with her. Yeah. Uh, Satan is trying to stir up the ugly in us he was wanting you to engage. Yeah. And the fact that you closed your eyes and, and when they, they did have to wake you up to come get your story later. And so my whole thing was let's pre-war for things like that because we weren't prepared for that. That felt like it came out of nowhere, but it couldn't have felt more demonic. And then it's so crazy because we got, we landed and your phone must've picked up our conversation because we landed later that day and you sent us our family a link of some one who was removed from the plane. Yeah. On an American airline. So actually I, I saw three or four of them, three or four, like not on that same day, but over the course of the last couple of weeks, I've just seen a couple of them where, you know, people were like one guy was drug off the plane by the police, like the flight attendant. He was in first class. I don't know what he did. Generally people who fly in first class aren't, the kind of people that are going to cause trouble on a plane. It's just they generally they either paid a lot of money to be up there or they've flown a lot of miles to get upgraded. So he was physically drug off of the plane by local police. They came in and they got him. And I was like, and then that lady that they've now made video memes about right. her. He's where not she's, real. He, th- that is blankety blank is not real. I told Sean yesterday, I said, it's, she wasn't talking about some little furry green gremlin she was imagining in the back of the plane. She was referring to a person Yeah, and it's become, but this is how the enemy works. Deny, 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 minimize, make it trivial, gaslight, make someone feel like actually you're the crazy one. She, what, and she probably, she maybe wasn't a Christian, but she saw something and I believe it was someone and the enemy uses people. He, he does oppress people. 
He does stick with people. He does come in through cracks in people and he can possess people like this is real stuff. Exorcism. Um, it's not just a movie. And in the seventies, people talked about it. Have you seen this movie that's out right now called the Pope's exorcist? It's got Russell Crowe in it. When we went and played a game in London, Barry and I went over to, to Dublin for two days because we were already there. And and we went to the hotel and the guy asked us, oh, have you guys seen Russell Crowe yet? I said, what? They were staying in that hotel. He said, oh, he's, he's filming a movie over here. It's called The Pope's Exorcist. And I haven't even seen the preview. Barry saw the preview and told me that the preview is so demonic that it scared him. He said, don't even watch the preview. It is a, it is, they're saying it's a true story about a guy who is the exorcist for the Pope, that the Pope sends him out on cases that no one else can cast those spirits out. It's like, he's like the hitman for the Vatican. And apparently the story is that he has an encounter with this demonic spirit who then in turn tries to possess him. Because if you can possess the Pope's exorcist, it was like this big win. And I thought, this is like a real story about a guy who his whole job is to be sent out by the Vatican to cast out spirits that can't be cast out. You watch The Chosen and we see Nicodemus (laughs) who goes Mm -hmm. into the house and, and they can't cast the spirits out. So they send Nicodemus in because he's a specialist. This is a thing that has been going on. Jesus cast the demons out into the pigs. It's and, and I want to point out when Jesus cast the demons out, they begged that they not be sent into the abyss, but that they be cast in pigs. Because when you cast demons out, they don't dissolve. Right. They're cast out because they exist and they will remain. They beg to not be thrown into the abyss. Now that the abyss, I don't know what that is. That's something Jesus had the authority to send them to, which maybe is the depths of hell where they're, they have to stay or, but they wanted to go in the pigs because they wanted to still be alive and in operation. They needed another host. Yes. And so people are, people People are are hosts. hosts and we invite those things in. So when we say things like, I mean, that was just demonic, that situation, it's hard to say that person is filled with a demon. That person, as we talked last podcast is a Jezebel. That person has a Luciferian spirit. It's hard to say it because it just seems so aggressive, right? And think about the time. (laughs) This is just hitting me. We are coming out of the woke. Make sure you're careful about everything you say and do and how be so PC that, I mean, you literally feel like you can't talk sometimes with people. Isn't it interesting that Satan is coming in like a flood? He's coming in strong with legions, with strategy after we're all conditioned to keep our mouth shut and don't be dramatic and don't say things that are too stern, bold, brazen. Yeah. Because it's very interesting, the timing. I never even thought of it from that standpoint. So we are to be meek and weak, mild. We're to, we're to take on anything someone wants to speak over 
or around us, but we as Holy Spirit filled people, we get thrown at us. Jesus is love. You said it today in your message. Jesus came in and was controversial. Jesus came to set some things straight. And I feel like what we're trying to do is set something straight. There are some people that they are uh, in affairs. They're addicted to painkillers, alcohol, they're gambling. They're doing this within their marriage and it is spiritual. And we're trying to say, this is, this is a bigger deal than even an accountability partner. Who's your BFF who lives across the country. And you check in once a while, once in a while, we're saying that if we don't consider this is exorcist level, yeah, then, then we're just going to keep fighting the battle. We're just going to keep fighting it. So there was a scripture uh, in Isaiah, and it was five things that Lucifer said he would do. And he literally says, I will. What I think is interesting is that Satan wants us to not talk about him. Hmm. But uh, Isaiah, the prophet, was the one who said that Satan said in his heart, Lucifer said, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. There's pride. I will set my throne on high. There's dominion. I will sit on the Mount of assembly in the far reaches of the North. There is a, uh, I mean, the Mount of assembly, basically I will not just have dominion in this one place on the throne. I'll take over. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. He's just, he is in the clouds. It is the principalities, the darkness, rulers of the air. I will make myself like the most high. Now we, we hear that and go, well, he wanted to like get God off the throne. Let's look at that. I will make myself like the most high. He's going to try to disguise his voice to be the most high's voice. So good. I believe that some of us are hearing things and we're hearing the sound thinking it's God and it's actually the voice of Satan. Wow. And then Isaiah said, but you are brought down to Sheol to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble? Then they'll be confused. Basically Isaiah is saying some will look, but then they'll be confused. And so I believe that, as you said, Satan is coming in at a higher frequency and who he's after are whistleblowers. And so if you are a bold whistleblower, if as we're being whistleblowers on Satan, like, you know, we've, we've said like, man, if people would just talk to the powerful men then, then maybe, or if the powerful men will just speak up, maybe these, these men and women who are in sin and who are taking the church and making the church and Jesus look bad, maybe then they'll listen if powerful men step up. And I just think it's a whole deeper level. I think we're talking about somehow taking the snake by the tail. And actually we had a black snake fall off the roof behind a lady who was processing journey to wholeness in the huh. reserve. And that was unnerving. Certainly. It's we have a lot of people around us that are having dreams about snakes and recently. We, and we've had a number of snakes. I, we had a snake when we were renovating one of the rooms out there and I cut its head off with a shovel. And they're all black. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it is unnerving. There's, and yeah, there's a network of people who present themselves like they're agents of light who are not, and I'm talking humans. 
pastors who present themselves like they are agents of light and they are not agents of light. They beware the false prophets. I believe I could be wrong. I think every generation has thought that they were in the end times. I think that we're in the end times. I think that we could very easily be, I believe that there's a rapture. I believe that we, we could be part of that. And I'm 50. So that, that tells you that I think that the time is short. And I, I truly believe that the closer that you get to something, obviously the level of anticipation rises. And so the enemy doesn't know when it's happening. Scripture says that. No one knows but the Father in heaven. So there has to be some sort of an awakening. And I don't even just mean a corporate awakening. There has to be an individual awakening among not just pastors, but among people to say, yes, we are in the midst of warfare. What's fascinating is when people grow up in an atmosphere of warfare, they almost they almost become numb to it. They're so used to it. They're used to the sounds of bombs. They're used to the sounds of gunfire. And it's not that they're not afraid of it. So I've told this story before. One, the first time that I went to Israel, I stayed in a family's very beautiful little boutique hotel. And, and I asked the lady, she, it was on the border and barbed wire and big old fence. And I asked the daughter, of the lady who owned it. Isn't it unnerving to live so close to the enemy? She said, no, we're not scared. We're just conscious. We recognize what his movement, what their movements look like. So we know, like when their movements change, they know to take notice. And she had a machine gun behind the counter. So that helped too. But point being that we need to be conscious and mindful of the movements of our enemy and not become numb to the sounds of war going off around us. Yeah. I just watched the covenant. So good. So good. And you know, it was set in Afghanistan and you're right. There were people, this makeshift table sitting outside and then selling Kool-Aid Taliban comes through, starts shooting people and they just keep playing their checkers. Yeah. And I mean, they're a step ahead in that. It's like you said, this lady, like she's aware. It's not like they're oblivious, but I think as Christians, we can't be two steps behind that we're, we're oblivious. Um, and we don't see it coming. At least they know it's around, but they become numb to it. Uh, so I want to leave listeners with some, I guess, some ammunition. First, I would say acknowledging and awareness are key. Yeah. Um, even in our mental health, we find that when we will and with journey to wholeness, what we do is when we remember things we didn't remember before, or we process through the emotions of a memory that we haven't before. A lot of times people are like, people are like, okay, well, what's my homework? So what do I do when I go home? And we're literally like, you don't do anything. Your brain just had awareness. Your brain knows what to do from here. Your brain will start to rewire and you'll know when you need to pray about it, when you need to journal, things like that. Um, Same thing with spiritual warfare. Awareness is the, is a huge step, but what happens is when we're made aware or we acknowledge, then the next step is the enemy is going to try to unravel that and say the opposite and make you feel like you're a liar, an imposter. A lot of our people who have 
we're talking to that are going through spiritual warfare, they've heard the word imposter over and over. So he's trying to tell us we're crazy so that that awareness and acknowledgement will just go away and we'll be like, yeah, I guess my bad. I was wrong. So when we can acknowledge it, then we can fight through and realize, no, I'm not crazy. This is real. The Bible says this is real. We have a real enemy who is roaming around looking to devour us. Then I, I believe we need to pre-war because Isaiah made a good point because he, he read my post about pre-warring and putting on the armor of God and what that looks like. And he said, yeah, we do need to put the armor on of God on first because he said, you would never go be in battle, come back, cut up, bleeding, bruised, and then put on armor. Yeah. And it gave me the picture. And I thought, yeah, how uncomfortable would that be? Big goose egg on your head, your ribs sliced up, cuts everywhere. And now you're going to go put on some metal shield and sword and helmet. No, you're one. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. It's too late. At the same time, when we're trying to put on the armor of God in the battle, are we really like, hold on, we're, you know, sword slinging, but I need to go put my helmet on. Give me a sec. No, in the midst of it, there is no time to put on the armor. You're getting stabbed. You're getting hit. And so it is putting it on early. There are times I've prayed even the night before, rather than the morning I wake up. Cause sometimes I wake up in the morning, I'm, I'm getting hit before my eyes are open. Yeah. And so I started, uh, to pray at night and I got to the breastplate of righteousness. The first night I started praying this, this was a couple of weeks ago, put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is simply getting in right standing with God. And that night I went to bed, couldn't like, I prayed that was going to go on to the other six items or five items, total of six armor. And that night God revealed to me an earlier memory than I'd ever had in my life. Even with multiple rounds of journey to wholeness, I had my earliest memory and there was, there was demonic activity in the memory that I never had put together, Wow! which put me in right standing with God so I prayed it. God revealed it. It was like a revelation prayer. It didn't scare me. It was a, yeah. it was a prayer of revelation because I prayed the night before I didn't even get to the other ones. And then, you know, the next is, or not next, but you know, the belt of truth. I need the belt of truth to know when someone is freaking out on me, is this like me? And I did provoke this or is this straight up demonic? Yeah. The belt of truth will, will remind me of scriptures that whole, I can hold true to and will let me see it. I didn't tell you this and I'm not going to go through all the armor, but, um, I was driving to church today and you know, we're a close family, family of four. And I was, I had just got done getting some texts from one of our kids who was struggling. And I'm just like, I am just struggling because they struggle. And it's just so much God, like so much, like, can we have one 24 hour day where one or three of us are not getting hit? Right. And I come around the corner by the church headed towards life church, um, off, I don't know, St. Norbert turn off it. And it's a, it's a, you don't stop and you don't, it's a yield, but it's a, like an on-ramp thing that you don't stop. And I had a car, a truck, a big red truck right behind me, right behind me. And we needed to both veer. You don't have to do anything. You literally will turn no matter what, what you yield. Um, actually the yield isn't even for us. It's for somebody else. 
you just go. Um, and there was a jogger who was crossing the street and I couldn't tell if he was weaving to like go behind me or to stop. And there wasn't a crosswalk. There wasn't a yield for pedestrians. Yeah. And the truck was on my tail, like going fast. So I thought if I slam on my brakes, he's going to hit me in the back. And this runner's looking at me. I can tell he's maneuvering or he needs to stop in the median or right. across the street. Yeah. He got, he instead came in front of me. He like sprinted so he could get in front of me. He yelled at me through his hands in the air. And I, I mean, like, I can't, I don't even know what he said. He was so mad. And it almost looked like he was trying to attack me, but also like make me hit him. <sighs> And I was, I was already not in a good place, headed to church. And you know, when you, somebody flips you off driving and it yeah. makes it shakes you no matter what. Yeah. It was like 10 times more because he's in my face. He like looked in the window at me and yelled. And I, I, I just drove off and I thought, okay, that feels similar to when somebody flips me off and I tell myself, man, they just made their day worse. Like right. I'm shaking. They must be. And I, I just felt God say, oh They'll come at you at all angles on the run in your face. Come on. So this, this is, um, this is something I wish we could just say it's going to go away. The frequency, the end times, even the fact that Russia and China and, and South Korea, North Korea, North Korea, <laughs> North Korea. Um, I'm not watching the news anymore as of last August because it was right. getting me but, down. But South Korea has been an ally of us for. Okay. I am sorry, South Korea. <laughs> I doubt the bombers. Um, <laughs> Revelation says that the, the Armageddon and the end times will be when Russia and China unite. They've not united until now. So we are sounding the alarm as always, but our biggest sounding of the alarm is that we would have eyes to see uh, I said it in service today after prayer. I said, I feel like some of you had breakthrough and God spoke to you something. And right now, as we're ending this worship song, Satan's telling you that was you. It's a lie. It's not true. Right. That That is part of spiritual warfare. Totally. So if you're feeling that heaviness, if you're feeling that burden, if you're feeling like you are unfit or you're a fraud or you want to give up, but you know that you're not living your life in sin. Just know that we're praying for you. We're fighting for you. We believe in you. And you can make it because there is a rise after the fall. Hi, friends. It's Sunny again. And I just want to say, Sean and I appreciate your faithful listening. And we hear all the time that many of you are sharing this. In fact, we've had a few people say, I tell everybody I know, specifically other pastors and leaders about this podcast. And so we may have shared in our early season two episode about the story of getting a retreat center that we're now going to call the reserve, uh, 20 acres, multiple houses, and the ability to house pastors and leaders, their families. We're going to basically say we're hosting the hurting. We're hosting the betrayed. 
we're restoring the betrayer. Uh, and so now we have a campus to do that on a, a 20 acre property to do that on, as well as we'll continue to bring people into Green Bay and we provide um, help in the finances for that and the housing for that at times as needed. Also, we'll continue to go to people. We've done that over the last couple of years, flown directly to couples in crisis. That's been an ongoing thing that Sean and I, Pastor Becky, Pastor Barry have done. But what I wanted to ask you is that um, because this retreat center is $1.8 million, which actually for 20 acres, a massive house, other housing uh, it's really reasonable. We just happened to find it in a great location. And the person who's selling it to us has a ministry heart. He's on the board of the church that we interned at coming right out of Bible college. It's just crazy, the God story. But we need to get $600,000 as the down payment. Now he's going to spread that over the first year. So it's 54,000 a month. Whew. Then after that, the 1.2 million that we will finance with him, those payments will start and that's in the 70 some hundred dollars. So $7,000 a month plus utilities and expenses, but that's much more palpable than 54,000 a month. But for this first year, we're grateful that we didn't have to come up with 600,000 to even begin work on the property. We already own it. We're already doing construction, but... What I would ask you is if you would consider, and you may say, it's me. I have, you know, $100,000 put away for our church that we are going to start construction on something. Or you may say, I have $1.8 at the church I lead, and we were breaking ground. But I feel, <laughs> this is the crazy thing. I've heard some crazy stories about pastors who, after having the money or praying for the money, and they get it for something God's having them do. God told them to give it away. But then God exceeded their expectation and they came back and had eightfold, ninefold. I know of a church in Texas, this just happened. Uh, they gave a million dollars they had raised to break ground on a new property. And the, someone had been at this conference with them and they had a roof that had caved in. And it was a million dollars to repair it. And God told him, give the million dollars. Well, he did. And within a few weeks, they had a company come to them and offer them money for the land and to give them land they owned. And they basically were given about $8 million from their million dollars they gave away. So I just know that when Sean and I even have given $1,200, which was our first big gift when we were first married at a conference and God told us, give everything. And we had $1,201 in our bank account, which was a ton for us. It was like our savings. We gave it, we got home and we got, had a check in our mailbox for $1,250. Now we made $49 on that, but it increased our faith. We made a lot of return on our faith and that investment and knowing God will never ask us to give that he doesn't have a huge plan. So I take this time to say, you might be the one that says, we're going to give you 1.8. You'll never have to worry about money as you do this ministry. You might say, we're going to give you 600,000 for the down payment so that you don't have to stress for the first year at 54,000 a pop as you build it out. Or you might say, we're going to give monthly or we have something else in mind. Thank you for considering it. Thank you for stepping out in faith and thank you for being a faithful listener to this. We appreciate you.